Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Turn to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. We're going to look at a passage here in Matthew 13. This is... um, well, in the book of in the chapter of Matthew chapter 13, there are seven parables. Don't worry, we're not going to look at all seven. But we are going to look at one, and it, it is one of the most well-known parables in the Bible. Uh, and also it is one that I find is so often um, explained in so many different ways. People interpret it differently. Some people look here at Matthew chapter 13 with a hyper-dispensational view, and they believe that all of these verses must only apply to the kingdom. I don't believe that works, especially since this parable is found in all three of the Gospels that contain parables. The book of John is not a book with parables in it. But Matthew, Luke, and Mark, all three contain this parable, and it is the parable of the sower, the one who sowed seed and how the, the seed fell on different ground. And we're going to read together. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's all stand. you got your Bible there. Turn to Matthew chapter 13, and hopefully... You can read along with me here. We're going to read nine verses, and then we're going to ask the Lord to help us with this. I I want to convey to you some thoughts, and we're not going to get through this whole parable today. I expect the Lord probably is going to have us deal with it, maybe a few services. And I just want the Lord to speak to us this morning. Amen. I've been asking God to speak to me all morning, and I've been asking Him to speak to you, and I hope that you'll ask Him the same here in Matthew 13, verse 1. The Bible says, The same day went Jesus out of the house, and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful, God, for your love. Thank you, God, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son to die on the cross for us. Help us, God, not to remember how great a miracle it is, Lord, that you've saved us. and How wonderful it is, God, that you'd allow us to come together this morning into your home, the Lord's house, the church today, together as the children of God to observe your word. God, I pray this morning, help me, God, to preach this message, Lord, as you've given it to us here in your word. God, help me to preach it, Lord, with power. Help me to preach it, Lord, with unction from the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, this morning, if there is a soul here today, God, who does not know you, Lord, uh, one who's never been saved, God, who does not understand why we're so excited 
about salvation and God, while we talk so much about the love of God, that today would be the day, Lord, that they would realize that they're a sinner. And God, that they need salvation. Lord, I pray, help me today to preach and help these people to hear and to listen. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, in this, in this chapter, the Lord is, uh, is speaking in many parables. It even said there in verse 3, He spake many things unto them in parables. And we all know what parables are, or at least I would say most of us probably do. A parable is, uh, especially in the, uh, used by the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, is the presence of a story, if you will, uh, that is given to help uh, explain something. It is a comparison. It comes from the Greek word paraboli, which means placing beside or together uh, with a comparison. So the Lord would tell a story, if you will, like a metaphor uh, or a simile, to help them who could not understand spiritual things to understand the message He was trying to get across to them. Uh, a modern-day similarity would be a preacher giving uh, an illustration, right? You know, oftentimes preachers, when they are preaching, they like to use an illustration or, or tell a story from their own life or something they've read or, or something like that that helps illustrate the idea that they're trying to get across just because sometimes that helps us to better understand things. And I, oftentimes I believe when we read the New Testament and we read the Lord speaking in parables, sometimes we, we scratch our heads and it doesn't make that much sense to us. But in most cases, when the Lord speaks in a parable in the Gospels, He is using things that make sense to the people He was speaking to at that time. In this place where He was uh, near the plain of Gennesaret, it would have been common to have farming and sowers. Amen. So when He began to speak about sowing and the ground and the seed, He was talking to people who had probably taken seed in their hand and sown it. Now, the truth is, in our day, uh, not everybody has a garden or has ever farmed or done much with sowing. And so maybe that, that idea, you know, you kind of have a general understanding, but maybe it doesn't apply to you as specifically as it would have applied to them. But the Lord is using parables to speak to them throughout this chapter. And, and, and just, just kind of for your, for your study, it's not really relevant to the sermon, but there are seven of these parables, and we know that seven is the number of completion, and seven is a number that is so common throughout the Bible that it is impossible for it to have been accidental. Amen. Uh, well, you can also look at the first four parables speak about man, and, and it's really focused on how that men have failed, and we'll see that here in this one too, whereas the last three speak specifically about God's purposes perfectly being thought out, and three being the number of the Trinity, and that's all interesting. Uh, just as sort of a thing you can store away in your mind for later. But this specific parable of the sower is the one I want to look at today. And we're not going to try to get through all of it today. There are really four major points in the parable that the Lord makes. But I want to give you some understanding of it and then hopefully uh, bring it down to a specific point there at the end. But this parable is present, like I said, <clears throat> in uh, three of the Gospels. It's present here in Matthew chapter 13. It's present in Mark chapter number 4, and it is present in Luke chapter number 8, and we will probably reference some of those verses as we look through it uh, tonight, or this morning, and in other times. But this parable is obviously important. I mean, it's obviously important because it's in red letters. And, and we could just stop right there and say, hey, this is important, you need to pay attention to it. But the fact that it is present in all three of the Gospels 
that produced parables for us means God obviously wanted us to hear this. Amen? Not every parable or account or story from the Gospels is present in, all, in, in, in more than one or in all of them especially. But here we have all three of the Gospels that give us parables took the time to give us this one. And I believe that, that means we should pay attention to it. You know, God's not just in the habit of repeating Himself for the sake of repeating Himself. When God repeats Himself, it's important. Amen? It's like when Jesus was speaking on hell and He said, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And then He said it again. And then He said it again. He's trying to make sure that you get the point that it's important that you understand that hell is a real place. Amen? Well, here in this passage, the Lord is beginning to speak to all these multitudes that have come together, and He speaks to them in, an, in a parable. Let me give you first the introduction of this parable. Like I said before, it's likely that the Lord in this moment chose this, uh, this story, this, this comparison, this parable, due to the fact that there were people in the congregation who would be familiar with sowing seed and understood the importance of not only the sower, but the seed and and the soil where it would be sown. And, and he begins to give uh, this parable, this comparison. But of course, we know that the Lord is referring to spiritual things. Amen? Y'all do know the Lord is not giving them a lesson on how to go out and sow seed for wheat. Amen? That's not what He's doing. He is giving them a physical story, a, a natural, a worldly uh, comparison to help them to understand spiritual things because those who are not spiritually minded cannot understand spiritual things. He talks about we see the sower, just to give you kind of the, the... There's three consistent elements in every part of this parable. The first is the sower. The sower is the element, if we're reading it, really the sower is the one thing that is barely mentioned. It's mentioned one time in verse number 3 where it says the sower went forth to sow. And so we must ask ourselves, who is the sower? And if we look to the Bible, you can find different places where it is mentioned. First, in Jeremiah 31, we know that God Himself compares Himself to a sower in Jeremiah 31, 27, where He said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. So God the Father compares Himself to a sower in the Bible. We also know that Christ is a sower not from this parable, but the next one he speaks on uh, here later in this chapter about the wheat and the tares. There in verse number 37 of Matthew 13, Jesus said, uh, said, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. That's a capital S right there. So we know quite clearly that He is saying, Jesus, me, I, He said, I am a sower. I'm the sower of good seed. And so we can obviously make the understanding and the assumption that Jesus is a sower. In fact, all good seed comes from Jesus. Amen. And even the seed that we would go forth and sow, if it is good seed, good spiritual seed, it must come from Jesus. Amen. Anything else is not good seed. You can take it further and say anything else, anything that comes from not that does not come from the Word of God is not good seed. Amen. It doesn't matter if Oprah, Dr. Phil, and every psychiatrist in the world signs off on it. If the Bible doesn't, it's not good seed. Amen. We see God likens Himself to a sower. Christ is a sower, and we see that we are sowers. Psalm chapter 126, verse 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth in weeping, bearing, 
precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. We are sowers of spiritual things. Now, we know that the good seed comes from the Lord, and he is the sower of good seed. But just as he is the light of the world, and because of him we are the light of the world, as he is the sower of good seed, so are we. Amen. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, he said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Planting is sowing seed. Amen. He is going forth, and he is sowing precious seeds. Mark chapter 16, verse 20, the Bible tells us they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And that preaching everywhere that they went forth to do after the Lord died and resurrected was the sowing of good seed. Amen. So we see the sower in this introduction. Then we see the seed. Well, what exactly is the seed? Well, let me point out something real quick. I just think it's interesting. In the first account we have here in this, uh, in this parable, the first thing that happens is the seed is sown and it does no good. Right? Falls by the wayside. And the birds come and devour it. And, and, and then it says that, that uh, in another place, I believe it's in Luke, it says that something was trampled down in other places. That the seed, the seed does no good. And in the next part where he talks about the stony places, the seed, it starts, but it does really no good. It ends up dying. At no point does the sower ever say, something's wrong with these seeds. Y'all see that? There's nothing wrong with the seed. We don't need to get new seed. Amen. We don't need to get new seed and change it all up and do all that. It's the same seed it's always been. And that seed comes from the Lord. And that seed is the Word of God. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11, because we're going to see it here in this chapter too, after the Lord gives the parable, He then goes on to explain it. And in Luke 8, 11, He says this. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Amen. We've got no need to get a new seed. Can you say amen? We don't need to change it up because it ain't growing right in the right place or it doesn't work right over there. The problem in this passage is not the seed, it's the soil. Can you all see that? The sower, nothing wrong with him. The seed, nothing wrong with that. The difference between the four different things here in the parable is the soil. The sower doesn't change, and the seed doesn't change, but the soil does. The seed and the sower are constant. The soil is changing. The emphasis on the soil clearly shows that the factors surrounding it strongly affect the success of the sown seed. The soils listed in this parable are there for a reason. They compare different people, different places, different points in life that, are, that directly affect the sowing of the seed of God's Word. Now, can we all understand that the Lord is not talking about getting the rocks out of the ground before you sow your seed for your harvest. He's talking about spiritual things. This is a type of something. He's not telling you you need to go in your backyard and get all the rocks out. And you need to, you need, when you're sowing seed, you need to make sure none of them fall on the wayside where you're walking. He's saying these are spiritual things. And, you, he, and this is what he said in verse 9. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. If you can get this, if you can hear it, if you can receive it, then you listen. Because what I'm talking about are spiritual things. All right, this is the introduction. 
we see the sower, we see the seed, and we see the soil, and we understand that as the only variable, that variable that's in this parable, we can understand that this part, the soil, is where the Lord is trying to put His emphasis, which is the environment in which the seed is sown. Amen. So we have introduction. Then we have an interjection here in verse 11, because uh, the Lord kind of takes an aside, really in verse 10. He gives the parable, and then in verse number 10 it says, The disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Why, why are you talking to these people in parables, Lord? Why don't you just come out and say what you're trying to say? Right? Verse 11. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak out of them in parables, because they seeing not and hearing, they hear not, and neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Esaias, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. He gives a little interjection here, and let me, let me give this to you, and then we'll move on. First thing we see is Israel's blindness. Here's what he said. Seeing, they see not. Hearing, they hear not. So this morning, I'm reading through these verses. And we're putting them up here on this screen so that you can see them. And I'm trying my best to say them to you loudly right here so you can hear them and you can see them. But just because you can see them doesn't mean that you actually see it. And just because you're here and you're hearing what I'm saying doesn't mean that you're really hearing it. And here's what Jesus said. He said they're closing their eyes and shutting their ears because they're afraid that if they see and hear, they'll have to get it right. He said their hearts have waxed gross. And that word gross, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll read here Isaiah chapter 6, which is what the Lord is referencing and quoting. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, he said, Go tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. That's what he's saying. You hear, but you don't hear. You see, but you don't see. Make the heart of this people fat, is what he said there in Isaiah chapter 6. So when he said their hearts have waxed, waxed gross, he's saying they become fat. They've gotten big. Their hearts have waxed fat, and you know what that's saying? They're just too full of everything else. They've got no need for the things of God. Can I say, when you get to a place in your life where you say, I'm good the way I am and I don't need anything else, you're like that church of Laodicea. They said, we are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and Jesus is on the outside knocking and saying, if you'll open the door, I'll come in. That's a bad place to be. That's a very bad place to be. But this is a prophetic truth the Lord is showing them when He references Isaiah. He's saying, y'all are fulfilling the prophecy that Isaiah said that, I would, that here I would come, and when I'm here, that I'd start telling you things, but you wouldn't hear it. I'd start showing you things, but you wouldn't see it. Romans eleven twenty five 25 tells us this, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Israel was blind. They're standing right in front of them was the Son of God, the one they've been waiting for for all these years and telling all their children about. He's standing on a boat 
in front of them and teaching them, and they don't even know who he is. John 1 told us there in verse 10, he was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. They didn't even know him. Here they are, Israel, God's chosen people, and here's the Lord, and the disciples say, why are you talking to me in parables? He said, because they don't understand spiritual things. It's the same thing he told Nicodemus in chapter 3 when he began to speak about being born of the Spirit and born of the water. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? And he said, you're a a master of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? You can't see spiritual things? Can I tell you this morning, if you're a Christian who can't see spiritual things, you're in a bad place. Amen. If you're a Christian and you can't see spiritual things, you're in a bad place. And so what does that mean? If the preacher preaches and it's never about you and it's never to you, you're in a bad place. Amen. If the preacher gets up and preaches and and tells it like it is and and gives you something from the Word of God and you walk away going, well, that was good, that was nice, and it is of no effect in you, you're like the Pharisees and the Israelites that Jesus said, i got to talk to them in stories because they won't understand otherwise. You're like them, and that's not where we need to be. We should be discerning spiritual. You know who we're supposed to be in the story? The disciples. Where Jesus looked to him, he said, now you guys, you guys have the ability to understand the secrets and the, the mysteries of the things of God because the Holy Spirit is revealing it to them. And just as he revealed it to them, he's supposed to reveal it to us. Or do we believe that we have the Holy Spirit? Do we believe we have the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. Do we believe that? Well, if we have the Holy Spirit, then we must believe that he will reveal spiritual things to us, which means when the word of God is preached, it's supposed to be effective in us. Amen. We see a practical truth. Jesus explained that these Israelites needed parables to help them understand because they could not discern spiritual things. Look at verse 12. He said this, Whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. So what does that mean? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth. And I don't know how much you know about the church of Corinth, but they had become overrun with sin inside the church. There were people in the church doing things that Paul said he didn't even want to mention them by mouth because they were so ungodly. And he was talking to a church, and there were people in there who were doing ungodly things and who refused to get right, and then there were some who were still trying to do right, but there was problems in the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he's writing this letter to them, and here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 2, 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Very simply, that means this. Nobody understands the things of God as a man. We only understand the things of God through His capital S, Spirit of God. That the only, you know what? A lost man, a, a, a someone out there who is a heretic and have no use for God can pick up this King James Bible, read it every day from sunup to sundown, but if they do not get saved and, and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, it won't do a thing for them. They can read it historically all they want and it will have no power to them because only the Spirit of God understands the things of God. Verse 12, now we have received, he says, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Back in, uh, in our passage, verse 12, Jesus said, whosoever hath to him shall be given. Paul said, we have received. 
if you've received something, you have it. Is that, is that real deep? You've received something, you have it now, right? You have something. We've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which, also, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Look at verse 14 here. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? Jesus said, Whosoever hath to him shall be given. And he's telling them, he said, Y'all are understanding the mysteries of God, but they can't understand it. Whosoever hath to him shall be given. Whoever has the Spirit will receive of the Spirit. And that is spiritual things. And in this case, as we're reading here in 1 Corinthians 2, we're talking about the things of the Spirit of God, the knowledge of the Spirit of God. He said, neither can he know them. It's about knowing things and understanding things. Guess what? If nothing in the Word of God and the work of God ever makes sense to you, you might want to check on your spirit. Because it's not your mind that's going to make sense of it. It's the Spirit of God. That's it. Amen. A lost man, a lost woman will never have a firm and true understanding of spiritual things because it's impossible. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. And that's why Jesus said, He who hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. The things that they think they know, they won't even keep that, because they don't have the Spirit. Do you have the Spirit? Well, a couple of you do. Do the rest of you have the Spirit? It's not a trick. If you've been saved, are you saved? Raise your hand. Amen. We all, if we're saved, ought to be willing to raise our hand and say, I'm saved. If you're saved, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And here's what that means. When the Word of God comes to your door, the Spirit of God will tell it to you. I could stand right here and I could preach directly to you. Zoe, I mean loud if I wanted to, right here. <clears throat> but if you don't have the Spirit of God, it's not going to do you one good. Not at all. No Sunday school is going to help you. No church attendance is going to help you. Amen? You'll wonder why you can't, get, you can't get victory over this sin and this thing and that thing. If you're not saved, you're fighting a losing battle, and before it's all said and done, you're going to lose what you've got. Amen? Say, so, well, you ain't got to be a saved to be a good man. Yeah, you do, because there's none that's good. And the only thing that's good in us is God in us. A good person is a person with the Holy Ghost inside of us. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, the things that you have will eventually be taken. Amen. We can see that, can't we? It's a practical truth. We see not only Israel's blindness, we see the disciples' blessing here. He said there in verse 15 and 16. or I'm sorry, verse 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Jesus is talking about all those men and women that came before that love God. You read about them in Hebrews chapter 11. All these died having not received the promise. Abraham and Sarah 
and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Amen. Even Elijah and Elisha and David. They all would have loved to have seen what these men were seeing and to learn what these men were learning about Jesus, about salvation. In fact, Jesus said, the Son, the Son of Man has not come to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. It was all new. And here's what Jesus said. Blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your ears. Can I help you this morning? It would do us all, I mean, it would do this church, it would do you individually. A world of good if you come into church going, man, how lucky am I? How blessed am I that I'm saved? That we've got a word of God? That we've got a church that believes the truth of the word of God? Amen? That we are seeing the things of God and hearing the things of God when there are so many out there who don't get that. And there are so many before who would have loved to have heard and heard what we've heard and, and see what we've seen. How blessed you are. Don't act like, well, you know, I, I had Sunday, I'd go to church. I'll come in here with, man, what a blessing it is that we get to hear the things of God and, and be in the house of God and sing the songs of God and that we've been saved. Amen. What a blessing it is. And as Jesus turned to his disciples, all he said, he said, y'all are blessed. Look at all them out there. Their eyes are closed, their ears are muffled, and, and they don't want to hear it because they don't get right. But man, look at y'all. Look at what's happening with you all and how blessed you are. That was the interjection. Let me give you the interpretation. <clears throat> We're going to look at one of these and we'll be done. We're going to look at one of these examples he gives here in the parable. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 4, well, verse 3 he says, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. So we know that this sower is going forth with a very specific uh, thing in mind, a very specific task in mind, and his task is to sow seed. His task is not to grow seed, it's to sow seed. Now, we know, we looked at it, God calls himself a sower, the Lord Jesus is a sower, but also we are sowers. Can I tell you, we can't grow seed. I can't grow spiritual seed, I, I wish I could. I wish I could go out and grow spiritual seed, but I can't. That's why Paul said, I planted Apollos' water, but it's God that gives the increase. He's the only one that can make it grow. But the sowing, I can do. And you can do. We're going to look at the wayside today. In verse 4, Jesus said this in Matthew 13, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. In Mark chapter 4, and verse number 4, the same parable is, is read, is, is given. And in verse 4 he said, It came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. In Luke chapter 8 and verse number 5, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. In each of these, as we look at them today and over, over some other services, I'll point out two, real, two main things to you. First, we'll look at the parable itself, which is the physical comparison that is given, and then we'll look at the purpose of the spiritual application that's given. The parable here is very simple. It references those seeds as a sower is sowing, that when he is sowing seed, they don't fall into the soft earth that's been plowed up and prepared for the sowing, 
but instead they fall on the wayside. The wayside, if you will, is a hard, unprepared ground. Generally in these times, you would often see it, and you might even see it today, uh, where there would be paths through a place where they would harvest. you got to understand, they didn't have the tractors and all the fancy stuff we've got today. They would plow ground difficultly using beasts of burden and things like that. And they would have wayside. The wayside, if you will, was a path. And there was so much of that land that was used for crops, in fact, that it said there were roads that even would go through them. And, what he, and it literally said in Luke that they were trodden down. You know what that tells me? That the place where that seed is falling is where somebody's walking. That's why it's hard. That's why it's not ready for being used. It is a hard, unprepared ground. And it falls into that hard and unprepared, unprepared ground. And immediately the, uh, the seed falls into a bad place. For one, it doesn't have a good, a good situation for growing, for taking root. But then a couple of things happen to it. We know that one, it's trodden down by the feet of those that are walking on these lanes, uh, either as sowers walking down through and they would step on those seeds or people that are just traveling through and they would step on those seeds. And then the ones that weren't stepped on would be easily spotted by the birds and the fowls and they would come in and they would immediately snatch them up and devour them. But guess what? A stalked seed is not going to grow and a devoured seed is not going to grow. So that's the physical understanding of what's going on in this passage. And I know right now some of you are already drawing lines in your head because you got the Holy Spirit and He's speaking spiritual things to you. Amen. But we look in this passage here, <clears throat> the Lord actually goes on to explain what He meant by what He said. He didn't leave it up for interpretation because they can't understand spiritual things. He then says in verse 18 of Matthew 13, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. And He begins to explain Himself. Verse 19, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understand it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. In Mark chapter 4, verse 15, he said, These are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. In Luke 18, 12, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So what can we see here? We see the seed is the Word. Do we see that? He said there in our verse, we just read it here in chapter number 13, He said, when anyone heareth the Word of the kingdom, in Mark 4, the Word is sown. When they hear the Word, that's the seed. The Word of God. Amen. We know the Word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my Word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That, that is the purpose of the Word. The Word, the purpose of the Word is that it would be given, and then it would be received and believed. Amen. And so when we are sowing seed, we are giving and sharing the Word of God. Amen. Now let me go ahead and just preface this. I was reading a commentary from John Butler uh, on this passage, and he made this statement. He said, as we're reading this parable about the seed, and we see that it is the Word, and we understand the Word and the Gospel are the power of God unto salvation, 
and that it is our job, our commitment, our commandment to share the gospel. Amen. Amen. Is it our, it's our commandment to share the gospel. John Butler said this concerning the parable. He said, it will remind us that our task of proclaiming the word is determined by the command of God, not by the condition and reception of the hearts of men. What he very simply means is this, sow the seed no matter what happens. If they receive it or don't, keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. I'll mention this and then move on. But in this verse, chapter, or chapter 13, verse 4, in the wayside portion of the parable, not all the seed went by the wayside. Look at it. Some seeds fell by the wayside. You know where the rest of them went? In the good tilled earth. Amen. And oftentimes when you're preaching or teaching or, or if you're out and witnessing and you pass out tracts and, and you may have an opportunity to give a tract to 100 people, some of those seeds may go by the wayside but some of them just might fall on the good, soft ground. And just because you get one slamming the door in your face, we went on visitation uh, before the fall festival, and Brother Scott had somebody yell out from inside, go away, before he even had a chance to even knock on the door or speak to him. Amen. He said, that wasn't the worst I've ever had. Amen. <laughs> You're going to have some like that. They're going to slam the door in your face. They're going to say, I don't care about your, your, your God. I don't want to buy what you're selling, etc., etc." But guess what? Keep sharing the gospel anyway. Amen. That's the command. That's the word. The seed is the word. 2 Timothy 1.8 Be not thou for ashamed, thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The word that we are sharing is the gospel. The seed, that precious seed that we're bearing forth and we're trying to bring in, are we trying to bring in sheaves? Are we trying to bring in fruit for God? The only thing that will produce fruit for God is the gospel. That's it. We see the word. Let me hurry. We see the wasting. And really, I, I'm kind of, it's not really a waste for the sower, but it is for the soil. If that one that the Lord is talking about, as he, as he expounded there in verse number 19, he said, any one that heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, that one wastes the most precious thing he's ever been given. Nothing more precious has ever been given to me or to you, Kelly, than the gospel. Nothing. Nothing more. I love my children. And in my life, there's nothing more precious to me than my children. And I would fight for them. But even they're not as precious as the gospel. Even they're not as valuable as the, great, the pearl of great price, Jesus, the gospel, us. They're not. Nothing is. It is so precious. And here's this one, and he hears it, and it just... Pfft. How do you imagine that makes God feel? Because let's not forget that God the Father let His Son pay the price for that seed. And it wasn't whatever the market is. 
It was his life, his blood, his painful death. It's valuable. What a shame it would be for us to take that precious gift and toss it aside. And can I also tell you that even if you are saved, it is equally shameful for you to toss aside the Word of God when it's brought to your doorstep? You should read about the men and women who gave their lives for you to have this, not just the Lord Jesus, He being the greatest. But the men who wrote these books, most of them died a rough death. Very few of them died at home in bed. They suffered and they bled and they died. The Apostle Paul writing these wonderful books about about how wonderful and how great salvation is, knowing that any moment it was his neck on a chopping block. They did not, amen, he didn't go by lethal injection. He went by a guillotine, a blade, removing his head. The disciple Peter, who wrote about how wonderful God is, casting all your care for He cared for you, was crucified upside down because he refused to be, to be killed the same way as his Lord. These men, and the price they paid, and we come in and we hear the Word of God, and sometimes I'm afraid we treat it like it's, inval- like it's not valuable. It is so valuable. It is so important. The Word. We see the wasting. He said, they hear it, and understandeth it not. It was rejected is what it was. The Word of God was brought right to them, these here, and it was rejected, just like a hard ground rejecting a seed. The seed was brought to it, right there on it, but it was just in that moment. Now, I want you to understand something. We're talking about a moment. In a moment, it was rejected. If that seed, let me just say, was left to itself, it's possible good rain might come, a good wind might come blow it into the right place and take root. Sometimes we give out that gospel track and the one who gets it, maybe they're not ready for it. And they toss it, mean to throw it away and ends up on a shelf somewhere. But then later that ground gets softer. Amen? The problem is this. A lot of times the moment is all you get. Because look what happens. Two things. One, it's either trodden underfoot or it's snatched away by something. And you know who Jesus said snatches it away? Satan, Mark said. The devil, Luke said. Matthew said the wicked one. Literally, as the preacher is preaching and giving the gospel and asking, have you ever really been saved? And in your heart that seed lands, the devil's ready to snatch it out and say, no, nah, I don't listen to him. I don't listen to that. You don't need that. That's, you can't, don't trust that. You don't need that. You don't need to listen to him. Everything is fine. Don't worry about, that's the wicked one. That's Satan. The verse says that it catcheth away. And that word means to seize and pluck up, to take it by force. It's like he's coming in and snatching that seed before it has a chance to do something. So many times we're in church, I'm afraid people sitting in the pew need to hear the seed, but they'd rather listen to the wicked one than the word of God. They'd rather listen to what their, their, that, that evil voice in their eye. Oh, don't listen to that. It's okay. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to him. And they, they do like the Israel did. They close their ears. And you know what's happening right then? It's being stolen from you. The most precious thing that's ever come to where you are is being stolen from you. That's why Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. 
For your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Snatching up that seed of the gospel, doing everything he can to keep them from receiving it, even if they're not quite ready. He can swoop in right then. And we see the we see the word, we see their wasting, we see the wicked one. And we see the wayside. The man that received the seed by the wayside, he had his opportunity at salvation snapped away by the devil. Some of them, though, some of them didn't. Luke is the only one who gives another clarification where he says that for some it was trodden underfoot. God help us if we do something to kill the seed in someone else's life. Amen? You know who would often trot on those seeds as they were sowing? The sowers. You ever, you ever, you ever planted a garden? You're walking through, you got corn seeds, you drop them, you drop them. One might fall here and you not see it and crush it on that hard ground. I told you at the beginning of the message, the focus in this parable is on the environment. You got the, the wayside. You got the stony ground, you got the hard ground with the rocks, and you got the, you got the thorny ground, and then you have the good ground. It's four different environments. And in this one, what we got to understand is this our lives, even as sowers, we sometimes affect the sown seed in others. For example, you go to work, you give the gospel to someone, you read your Bible at work, you say, Well, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell them, hey, y'all should come to church. And then you're in there talking the same way they talk, saying the same things they say, doing the same things they do. And yeah, you try to give a little seed, and then you stomped on it. You show them hatred or anger, and you mistreat them, and you don't show them the love of God. That's tough, isn't it? Can I be the first one this morning to admit there have been people who I've prayed for, people I wanted to see saved, who later in my life I've looked back and realized I was a poor example to them. And I have to think, maybe, there's, maybe they just weren't ready. And when the seed could have sat and maybe worked its way in, instead, I hurt the cause of Christ. We can't blame it all on the devil. We can't blame it all on the devil. Can I tell you, most of the problems in my life are not Satan-caused, they're self-caused. We've got a responsibility. Our responsibility is to sow seed. And I'll tell you what, some of us ain't even doing that. Let's be real. Some of us aren't even really sowing seed. I don't sow enough, not nearly enough. Coming in here and preaching to a bunch of Christians is not the same thing as going out there and trying to show the gospel to lost people. Amen? And sometimes as preachers, I think we think, well, you know, well, I, I preach, so I'm doing my part. That's not enough. Jesus said, go ye, therefore, Go. Go, go out there, tell somebody. As I think about the next year, when we look back on this year, and we, I mean, we had probably 15 messages or more on unity that the Lord sent. and We talked about unity and, and, and growing together in the unity of the Spirit and unity as a church and unity of, in the Word of God and unity and all those things, unity in worship. And we talked about all those things, and all those things were, were great. As I look forward, I say, God, we need to have unity in a church so that we can fulfill the Great Commission. 
Amen? We were in Sunday school this morning, some prayer requests for growing the church. Wouldn't you like to see the Lord grow this church? And, and here, when I, when I pray for growth, I pray for it in two ways, at least. One, first, is spiritual growth. I pray that we come in here, we hear preaching, and I know, I know this message is slowing down here, and maybe I'm getting in your business. I just want you to please receive what I'm going to tell you. We need spiritual growth. We need to become mature Christians. We, you know what we need? We need a bunch of people who will never quit, who will stick with God, who will be like the Bible said in Psalm 119, that great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Amen? That's what we need. We need a bunch of people who are saying, I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to stop. I'm going to go. I'm not going to. I'm not going to let emotions or feelings or anything ever get in the way of the work of God and grow in the Lord and become spiritually strong. And you know how we grow spiritually? Through the Word of God. We just read that the spiritual, they receive the spiritual things. That's the Word of God. We grow in Bible reading and prayer. And that we become more spiritual and spiritually mature than we've ever been. Like Hebrews talks about where he said, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection and growing in the Lord and walking with God. Amen. A church full of people who love the Lord and are real with God. And, and I believe we're all real with God. I look around. I'm not saying y'all ain't real with God. I'm saying we've all got room to grow, don't we? I cert. oh my goodness. I told Brooke yesterday, we were talking. I said, I feel like a, an imposter sometimes. Because we were in the car and Peyton said, Daddy, you're a pastor. Kids, man, they're weird, aren't they? The way they think about things, said, yeah, you're right. Said, you know what that means? What do I do? She said, you preach. I said, yeah, I preach. We were just talking, I said, and I said under my breath, I said, sometimes I feel like a big fat phony. You know? I've been pastored most of my life. And now I'm the pastor. It's weird when everybody wants to come to you and tell them what to do. That's weird. Amen? When you get up on Sunday morning, it's like, well, if I lay an egg this morning, it's all going to be bad. You know what I mean? If I come in here and I've not prayed and I've not studied my Bible, then, then why go? It's, it's on my shoulders. and It's weird. And, and I feel like, God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I don't pray enough. That's, that's what's in my head all the time, thinking about those things. I want to grow. And when I pray, I pray, God, help me to grow spiritually. And, and I call your names out individually. God, help them to grow spiritually. God, help us as a church to grow in love and unity. But do you know why I want us to grow spiritually? You know why we need to grow spiritually? So that we can grow in the work of God. God don't want us to reach a level of enlightenment. What He wants is for us to go out there and reach a lost and dying world. So we can't reach the world. We can reach our community. That's, that's the model of the church. Start in your community. Once, they, once you've met them, once you've got them, you go out and you go out and you go out. That's the model. Keep going. Keep going. Plant another church. Plant another church. Do whatever you got to do and keep the gospel going. That is our job to sow. We're sowers. That's what we are. The question this morning is, first of all, are you sowing? I hope that you are. And if you are, how's the ground? hope we're not trotting any of those seeds under our feet. This morning as I look around and, I, and I, you know, I see Christians, church members, I know you, you know me, but I, I, I can't help but wonder is there one in here this morning that 
that doesn't know the Lord. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, or maybe you haven't, I don't know. Maybe you put on a face and say you're saved, but the truth is, in your heart, you know that you've never really been saved. You, think, you hear people give their testimony, and you think, I never really did that. Can I tell you this morning, don't let the devil snatch away the seed. Break up your fallow ground. Break it up. Take the seed. Hear it. Have you been saved? Not your mama, not your daddy, not your husband, your wife, you. Have you been saved? Because can I tell you this morning, you need to be. I got time. You know what that verse said about Satan? Said he immediately took the seed. You know why he was so quick about it? Because he knew there ain't much time. The devil knows he's working on, on limited time, but what about you? Do you know that? Are you trying to scare me? No, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to get you to see and hear. Take the blinders off. You know what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? For he saith, I have heard thee, and the time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know why now, he says, now is the day of salvation? We often say today is the day of salvation. And, and that's true. It even says, says, he talks about today here in a second after that. But he says now. You know why now? Because there's no promise of later. It's now. If you ever get saved, in the moment you're saved, you will have been saved now. There is no tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow will be today. So why not make today the day of salvation in your life? Why not make now? I, I, I just, I don't know, I don't know. Look, stop thinking and, and, and giving time to, to, to give the devil to come in and sneak it out or somebody to try. No, I'll, I'll talk to a buddy of mine. He'll, he'll straighten me out. No, 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 don't do that. Just, just come to Jesus. You'll never regret it. Let's all stand. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.